You're listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soken Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me, as always, are Jace and Leo. That's Jace Drayson! And hello, I'm Leo. Leo. Even tried. Match my Look, energy. I, I, can't, I can't hit those notes, man. <laughs> Someone kick me in the junk. Maybe I'll hit him. It's another week of quarantine and another week of respecting the internet as a common utility and a necessity. How are you guys holding up? You know, the longer you quarantine, the more you get used to it, I've decided. And while things are still flaring up and things are really no better, and in some places getting worse, it's like humans are adaptable, man, and we just press on and do what you have to do. So I'm pressing on and doing what I have to do. Actually, me and Leo have been playing a little bit of Star Trek Bridge Crew. That's been really fun. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> it's like such, it's it's super nerd fun too. Cause it's not like an action game. You're like just looking at a console and pushing buttons. And it's, yep. It's so fun. Okay, so. Five more seconds. I'm energizing. <laughs> uh, I want to play it right now, actually. Um, but, uh yeah I, you adapt i mean that that really is the reality of people as a whole it's just the new normal right now um i have found you know i'm i'm working from home i'm i'm seeing the inside of my living room i'm living my best life actually as an anti-social introvert so i'm having a great time the the challenges of course are you know you you're worried i, I read some stuff online that worried me a little more and we're trying to get you know my daughters to finish school work and my wife is working from home and you know we're trying to make that reality work but it's not it's not that bad we're still comfortable we still have an air-conditioned house and you know we're sleeping in beds and full bellies i mean there's not much to really complain about right now how about you t uh well besides the fact that i almost lost power for a second time since the quarantine started yesterday uh thank you severe weather I have a box of croissants, and therefore I am fine. There you go. Dude, we had a tornado roll through here um, Saturday night, early Sunday morning. That was that was crazy. All right. Well, this week we're going to talk about Marvel's Phase 4 timeline shift due to the movie delays, and then we're going to try and talk about some stuff that's less depressing. So things like Borderlands 3's newest downloadable content, Love, Guns, and Tentacles and its inclusion of LGBTQ plus themes, as well as the resurgence of the wildly popular tabletop game Dungeons and Dragons. Let's roll. Ever since the announcement of Marvel's Black Widow being delayed beyond its speculated May release, the entirety of the Phase 4 release schedule has been shifted and moved around with some movies and Disney Plus shows being moved to entirely new segments of the timeline, and others being delayed significantly into next year or beyond, fans are left to wonder when we'll get to see most of these movies, and whether the timeline of their releases points to signs of what may happen between them. So a lot of Marvel's movies are they're significantly released in this, where individual tracks will happen and can be enjoyed separately, and then they have one big get-together and like an Avengers showdown. So a lot of these movies then need to be released in a certain order for the sake of continuity. 
how do you guys feel about some of these titles pushed so far back just so that they can come out a little bit after another title? I mean, I'm for it. I, I want the movies to... I'm, I'm more... I'm trying to look on the bright side of this. Huge MCU fanboy. Ginormous. Like, the biggest. Um, I, I watch all of the movies through in succession relatively regularly. Like, I'm always somewhere in the MCU. So, I'm trying to look on the bright side of life. While very disappointed in the huge gap, I also would prefer that they keep my continuity intact. I don't want to wreck it. And I don't want to see something out of order, uh, in in terms of creation order. I th I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the gap. Let, let's just leave it. At, I'm not ecstatic. I'm not pissed. I'm okay. I think there are there really are so many factors to consider. Um, you know, it, it it's hard to know how to feel. Um, if if I think about it rationally, part of me is. Frankly, I'm kind of tired of superhero movies. There have been so many in such quick succession over so many years. I'm I'm a little I'm a little burnt out. Um, that said, I've enjoyed most of them. So, you know, enjoying them, uh, enjoying new ones would be would be cool. Uh, there are some other services that have been shooting them out, you know, to uh, to folks at home, um, and I respect that effort. Um, to at least afford folks some modicum of, you know, of fresh entertainment. They're enjoying quarantine. But there's another part of me that appreciates the fact that companies got to make money. And the MCU is as good as, as it is because it has made consistent returns. And this is probably the way they feel they're going to get the most. So I don't, I don't hate them for it either. Um, I also don't love it. I'm so ambivalent. I'm not ambivalent because that implies a, a not care. And I'm super passionate about this. If I could devote my life to it in some way, I would. Um, but I, I'm I'm not at all burnt out on superhero movies, by the way. I, I know Leah said that. I, I disagree. I think that as long as it's a good story, give me as much superhero. And the reason I say that is because each MCU film kind of has its own genre of, of life, right? There's not... There's not just this one flavor of superhero movie. There's like the the spy thriller usually in the Captain America. There's like the high adventure with um, with Iron Man. There's like a little bit of fantasy with Thor. There's sci-fi with the Guardians. So you know, there's a really wide swath of genres that are covered, even though it's still a superhero movie. These beings are superheroes, right? So I I don't feel at all tired of it. I really I'm always craving more, um, but there is also a part of me that feels like Endgame was huge. Maybe the biggest cinematic thing that has ever happened, ever. Certainly in terms of, of ticket sales, but also in terms of zeitgeist, you know, uh, social thought. It was a huge thing. And then Spider-Man Far From Home was just kind of the epilogue after that, right? I'm okay with giving us a breather right now at this point in the MCU history. It kind of makes sense. It's okay to let everybody just uh, digest the hugeness that was in game enjoy the epilogue a little bit that kind of had a great heart to it and let us breathe um i think that when they come back we'll we'll be all the more happy to receive them yeah i i don't hear quite the same level of enthusiasm i enjoyed the movies as movies um but i'm i think i think there's potential that i represent more um i don't know of the 
average everyday moviegoer. Um, and so I, I think um, while I can appreciate how big Endgame was, um, you know, I, I, th there were similar movies or similar releases that I think had similar th um, reaches, like Lord of the Rings to me, that I think was maybe my Endgame, um, at least for, you know, how Jace perceived Endgame. Um, but, you know, there, there are tons of perspectives and tons of sensibilities about who's tired or, you know, what's going to be better at the box office the truth is nobody's at the box office right now um so <clears throat> their reality was delay or i guess suffer less uh less return and they decided this was in their best fiscal interest and i i can't disagree with them yep on the same vein some theaters and production companies have been releasing films online through streaming platforms like disney plus Amazon, and hulu we mentioned in a previous episode, and it seems backed up now, that Black Widow will not be one of the films seen online. Screaming? Screening. Do you guys think that that's the right call? Or screaming, you know, whatever. Um, I recently watched Trolls 2 on, on demand at home with my girls. We paid a premium for it um, because it's one of those movies that was supposed to come out in theaters but obviously didn't and I, I was grateful that it, it came out in a place where you know my my girls and wife and I could get a little bit of reprieve from the reality of quarantine um, so I, I rather appreciate those companies that have decided to to offer streaming services and I'm willing um, I'm, I'm also fortunate enough to be in a position where I can pay a little bit more to enjoy them it's certainly not a movie theater ticket price it's not a movie theater experience uh, but it it sufficed as far as why disney has decided not to release these i i have to assume there were some calculations that went on where they realized their bottom line would be better uh waiting so so be it yeah i'm sure that there's all kind of calculus that goes on to decide whether it's a better better idea to push it out now to get it rolling or to hold off uh, ultimately i'm glad um that they're not releasing black widow but i'm also glad that several other movies are coming out for for streaming early because it gives us something to do i prefer my mcu on the big screen i prefer to have popcorn in hand and a big old large giant coke that experience for me is the MCU experience. That's I've pretty much been to opening weekend of every MCU film ever ever released, and I want to do it with Black Widow too a lot because I love her. <laughs> um, but you know these streaming movies. I'm actually pretty excited about some of the Disney stuff that's coming out early, and you know that's I think it's a really cool thing that even though it's probably better for them financially in some way, it's still a cool thing that we're the whole culture is kind of shifting and adjusting and adapting to this new reality we live in. Some of the major bets speculated in this phase of the MCU revolve around the multiverse, which we've heard rumors will be mostly explored through the Doctor Strange sequel, Multiverse of Madness, and through the Disney Plus series, WandaVision. Do you guys think that these shows and the major plots that weave between them and the films are going to suffer because of the new schedule? Nah. I think they'll be better. Anything that has more development time is just going to get better, if you ask me. The, the I'm not concerned at all about the plots. 
Uh, Kevin Feige's a genius anyway. He he had it well in hand on a on a, a quick pace. Um, they they really haven't rushed these films out before, so just giving them time to percolate is is only going to make them better films, in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't know. Frankly, I'm I'm not a huge fan of just TV shows in general. Um, if if I'm going to watch something that I want to be entertained by, I'd much prefer it come in a you know ninety minute to two hour snippet of a of a wholly wrapped up story. Um, the idea of television series they they bore me, uh, and and I find myself growing disenchanted with them pretty quick. Um, WandaVision looks really interesting. It looks like it's a cool story, <clears throat> and honestly, of of any element of the MCU that would t capture my interest, it's the magic in MCU. <clears throat> Doctor Strange is one of my favorites, um, and the Scarlet Witch is one of my favorites because there's, there's, I think because there's so much crossover with uh, just a fantasy genre that tends to be my go-to and my favorite, um, and WandaVision is in line with that we'll see you know how it holds up i i don't know i'm the cynical side of me is already not going to watch it so we'll we'll see you're not going to watch wandavision or multiverse of madness <laughs> well if if multiverse of madness is a movie looks like it's you know is, yes, is it a movie? yes that, that's the movie and yeah. and scarlet witch is in multiverse of madness yeah i'll i'll probably watch that because it's a movie i, I probably won't watch wandavision it it looks fascinating but it's so poorly named. I'm so I'm just off the cuff uninterested in it. I'm super excited for One Division. I think largely because I feel like it is going to be an exploration of the multiverse. Um, I don't know that, but the trailer lends you believe it. Um, also a huge fan of Vision, and he he left us too soon <laughs> in Infinity War. Miss him, so I'm excited to see him come back. Yeah, uh, and, and two, one thing that's different with these Disney Plus films is that they are going to directly into the mcu the theoretically before they said that was going to happen with like agents of shield and the defenders and uh daredevil that was you know oh yeah they're in the same universe but since since development release cancellation they now say no they really weren't part of the mcu these are actually going to be developed uh and creatively put together within the context of the of the larger mcu storyline so i think that i think you might miss out on parts of the overall narrative and tale if you don't watch the disney plus pieces sure i i mean that's um i i think that's been used to great effect like captain marvel being shoehorned in um so everybody felt they had to watch it so that they could you know keep up to speed even though she was you know fantastic <laughs> Sure, we have our opinions, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I also think there's something that changes. Um, the MCU is fantastic when it comes to movies. They really haven't been so good when it comes to TV shows. Um, you have, you know, Agents of Shield's been criticized. Um, Agent Carter, Inhumans, like some some of those shows just really haven't made the same mark that the movies have. Um, I do like the characters of Vision and Scarlet Witch, and I love the actors. I, you know, I think if anybody can pull it off, it's it's probably them. But you know, I'm I I just don't have high hopes. Plus, I, honestly, like I've said, I'm I'm just not a huge sit not sitcom, but just TV show watcher. It I, I get bored. They they tend to draw stories out to the point where they're not fun anymore. 
I tend to like them if they're streamable. I, I mean, uh, bingeable. I have a hard time with a week between a show that that give, that gives me a little bit of angst, and I yeah. I don't say I get bored, but it is harder to keep interest when there's a span sure. between a chapter. I definitely had to binge all the shows that we've wanted to talk about here on the podcast. I've had to binge them because I couldn't, I just couldn't keep up with them week to week. Do you say then the WandaVision is the movie or show that you're most good for for Phase Four, or is another one that has your heart? Did you say has me hard? <laughs> has you your heart? Your oh. heart. <laughs> Apologies. Friends, family Did friendly I, podcast. I didn't mean to risk our PG rating there. Um, ooh, that's a hard question, actually. I am probably the most excited for multiverse of madness right now just because i too love dr strange and i'm very excited to see what they're going to do with uh i think the pairing of scarlet witch and dr strange is genius and i love the multiverse you know the multiverse has been eased in mcu but it hasn't been fully explored right like the, we, it's been alluded to by the ancient one and dr strange um mysterio pretended like he was from another parallel universe but he really wasn't that was all kind of a shysty thing but you know it's the groundwork is there i'm i'm actually pretty stoked to see what they're gonna do with a multiverse yeah i mean dr strange is is one of my favorite characters in the mcu um his movie uh the first movie was uh it was kind of i think received more neutrally than some of the other ones it wasn't great but it also wasn't um, lambasted uh, but it, it for me i i do think it's because of that fantasy element because it's magic because it's i also just like dr strange as a character i i do frankly see a lot of me in him um he's this embittered cynic um <laughs> i also consider myself a wizard though um, <laughs> you know <laughs> no he, he it, I, I don't know i i just i i really like the character and the concept so i i think i'm probably most excited about that too honestly any of the tv shows it, honest frankly it's just because they're tv shows i'm not interested in them I, it's not that but i like, don't think the stories would be interesting it's just because they're tv shows that's so that's so narrow-minded dude like loki is one of the best characters in the mcu he's going to be on a tv uh, show and you get to watch it with that i love loki hawkeye's going to have a show yeah. falcon and winter soldier we've got to know if Falcon's really going to be Cap, the new Cap. Yeah, I mean, those are interesting things to read in a wiki page. Like, they're not going to be interesting for me to watch week after week after week as they stretch out nonsensical plot points over the course of months just to for me to know, hey, is this going to happen or is that going to happen? And I honestly wasn't a huge fan of Loki. I thought he was interesting. I thought he was witty, uh, but he's I, I didn't fangirl over him. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> as someone who experienced tumblr when it was obsessed with him um i'm a little worried <laughs> a little worried about what the future holds yeah it's bad loki love is bad yeah well he's fresh a number one but he's also a super fun character that yeah he but he's a super fun character that will throw you over a cliff and you know the first opportunity i don't get how wow. people really dig these characters this this character in the th we don't know exactly who the character is going to be in the show because loki loki is dead i'm assuming this loki is the loki that is displaced from time 
by the Tesseract based on the time screw up. So it's this is still big bad Loki. So it's going to be pretty interesting. To I, there's only so many stories that can be told that are interesting with, hey, Loki seems like he's coming around. Oh, no, he tried to kill everyone again. Uh, that's, that's the lord that's like, the like not even just the lord that's the mythology of the god he's the trickster god is that over and over well, and over like for me I get super it. I, I enjoyed it the first time maybe the second time but come on you're 15 iterations in he had a nice arc in the young avengers which i unfortunately yeah. don't have time to expand on because we're at the end of the segment but i do like young avengers i will just tag that in as well well, the MCU plans to kick back into action in the box office with a November 6th release date for Black Widow. It's going to be a little while longer before we get to see Scarlett Johansson kick butt with her comrades, but hopefully that won't end up being delayed any further. Fingers crossed. Borderlands 3, the most recent of the Shoot and Loot series, took a long time to get into the limelight, and once it was released, people kind of stopped talking about it, which was a little weird. It has a 9 out of 10 on IGN, but you're more likely to find people talking about Animal Crossing or the new Doom. Granted, the world does have other problems at the moment, but regardless, a new DLC is coming out soon called Love, Guns, and Tentacles. Not only does it include Aaron Hansen and its voice cast, popular for his series Game Grumps on YouTube, it also highlights a gay relationship between two primary characters from the game. Although the LGBTQ world has been made widely more mainstream in the last few years, there's still a severe lack of representation in a lot of the gaming industry. How do you guys feel about Hammerlock, a character we've had in Borderlands for quite some time, opening up as a gay character? I don't know. I feel the same way as if he opened up as a straight character. Leo, you don't have to open up as straight. That's a natural <laughs> thing that people just assume you are. I yeah, mean, I, sure. I, having said that, I'm, I'm nonplussed myself. I, mean, I don't really care a whole lot about it. Um, oh, Hammerlock. I guess he's... I'll send him his membership card. Yeah, um, I was going to say, you guys are the same team now. <laughs> I mean, I didn't vote him in. I didn't get a vote on that one. I, <laughs> I, it's, I'm glad in the sense that, okay, yeah, representation is awesome. But... I'm just so not into Borderlands as a franchise that I can't even I can't even muster a fabulous. I bet you could if you tried. Come on, Jace, give us a fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> Hold on, let me see if I can. <clears throat> fabulous. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm glad it's happened, but you know. I, I'd prefer it in other places if, if uh, and it's mostly just, this is just personal thing I'm not into the series I'm not into Borderlands I don't want to overstate it but just looking at it makes me want to vomit um, so I, I want to be excited because yay we've made it baby or whatever the saying is <laughs> we've come a long way baby that's it but we've come a long way I don't I don't care good good Hammerlock I hope you get yourself a one true love for life <laughs> I mean, I do too. I I hope he, I hope he's happy, but yeah, I don't care. Whatever. I I do think it is actually okay. Let me let me say this. I I do think it is a um, it's a fantastic testament to how far our culture has come, uh, where we can be nonplussed about this, where we can be ambivalent about it. 
Um, and I think uh, mainstream, quote unquote, culture at large is also th the same way. And that actually is a really powerful step. I'd heard actually just earlier today that um, our our culture has really come so far that um, even, well, how was it phrased? That even like conservative viewpoints of today are more liberal than the liberal viewpoints of like the 1950s of Western culture. And that to me is fantastic. That that really is an awesome testament to just how far we have come. So, you know, as far as that goes, awesome. As far as Borderlands, eh, you know, whatever. World of Warcraft recently forced a guild to change its name after trolls mass reported it, specifically because it was an LGBTQ guild called the Gay Boys. The attacks were nated, particularly with texts that said things we won't repeat on this show. And although Blizzard then reinstated the guild, we can't help but wonder if this kind of negativity is inherent on the internet or tied to the gaming industry. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I read this one and I was a little bit torn because in a lot of ways, honestly, I think um, our guild, the Divine Conclave, could probably be called the Gay Boys and still function similarly. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> no, but seriously. Um, honestly, I do think it really is just the fact that the internet tends to bring out the worst in people. Um, and I think those who want to um, troll, those who want to be despicable, they find whatever they can. Um, they find whatever is a soft spot and they push it and poke at it and, you know, make make fun of you know whatever they think is going to bring the greatest rise out of people um be it racial be it sexual orientation be it uh somebody's gender identity whatever it is um i i don't know i, I don't see this as oddly enough i don't see this as egregious in the larger sphere of just awful internet people there are awful internet people. Haters are going to hate. Trolls are going to troll. Deplorables are going to deplore. Um, and that is the simple fact of the matter. The unfortunate thing about the internet, it, it, it is kind of the mirror of its greatest power, is that it, uh, it congregates people who have deplorable views of the world. And so there is like this mass mob mentality of hatred that can happen when it is allowed to run ramp. The flip side of that is the internet also allows people to find their community. And no matter how niche you may feel that you are, there are millions of other people that you can connect with on the internet to find strength and support. I will say the internet has changed and is changing. There was not, uh, it wasn't too terribly long ago when, you know, I had to, the story time with Jace. I had to, if I was going to join a guild or a new team, I would all, often do this. I would let people know ahead of time, hey, I'm I'm a gay person. Is this going to be a problem? And sometimes it was. Uh, that's something we just don't want to deal with. Uh, if you're going to put it out there so much, we don't want to know, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, when, in fact, when Leo and I first met, he had, he had started a guild in Elder Scrolls. This was way pre-Soken. And um, it was called Relics, fun guild. 
And I, I messaged him and asked him the same thing. I told him the same thing. You know, I'm a gay person. I'm going to have gay themes to what I do. It's what I do. And, and Leo's response was kind of like, I feel terrible that you have to even <laughs> ask me that. Of course, that's fine. No problem. Whatever, whatever. But having lived on the internet for a long time and been gay for a long time, sometimes the internet's a hateful place to be. Sokin is not that way. How long have you been gay, Jace? Um, let's see. Just about 15 years. Most of the okay. first part was like gay. Anyway, um, but no, the 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 internet is different now, and I feel like, especially like in our in our community, it's not even like a an issue at all. We don't even. It's like nobody cares what anybody else says. Everybody's welcome. Come on in, doors flung wide open. As long as you want to RP, <laughs> as long as you want to have fun playing games and not be a jerk, come play. I do remember that conversation, um, and. It, it's one that in fact still kind of kind of baffles me um here we were a couple of uh, a couple of nerds on the internet um role-playing as you know fantasy people in a fantasy world and you know we're still dealing with uh a, among a bunch of uh, for lack of a better term kind of social outcasts social rejects and we're still dealing with you know some of that nonsense to me it baffled me that that would even be a reality and I, I did genuinely feel really bad that that was a thing um and, and it kind of brought home too um just how people's experiences are different everybody experiences their own unique challenges and their own unique things um as a result of that i i do think it's critical that we all you know try and remain open to what was what those challenges might be um in fact the administration of our current guild it's actually jace who usually reminds me um we don't know what this person's going through we don't know you know what it is that is there is their challenge um let's not write it off immediately and i do think potentially having faced adversity for um for so long has um heightened your own senses to that jace. yeah probably so everything happens for a reason may not feel like a good reason but there's a reason <laughs> now we can't talk about borderlands without briefly talking about video game violence alongside recent releases like doom borderlands is commonly recalled as peak violence in gaming however it's also a stylistically cartoony and very silly series do you guys think that the series gets away with its violence and should it so i'm i'm strictly in the camp of um video games don't cause violence i do think that um any serious study into the subject has rather thoroughly debunked that um that perspective i do think the only holdouts are i don't know boomers <laughs> no, that's not fair <laughs> um i think the only holdouts really are people who are they have another agenda they have a different they have a different focus as opposed to scientific truth but um the idea that borderlands could cause violence or that it's inherently extra violent oh i it i mean it's violent sure but i mean i could hundreds of games are quote violent um and how do you even define violence are vehicles exploding violent um are are, are you know games where you fist fight are those as violent like no there, there, there was way too many different nuances and categories to label 
anything extra violent. Um, the idea that they would cause it's ridiculous. So the fact that it's cartoony, yes, probably gives it a little bit more of a pass, but frankly, I don't think it was in that category to begin with. Sometimes though, and I agree with the 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 sentiment of what you're saying, but sometimes there's there is a taste level that you know, I do find some things kind of tacky and I don't really want to see it. I don't and possibly that's me more than a, a judgment call for everybody on the planet, but <clears throat> I, I don't I don't like the art direction of Borderlands, first of all. I don't like cell shading on a video game. I don't like the silliness of the way it looks. But when you take those really lighthearted, almost whimsical pieces of art and then <laughs> put blood splatter in it, it kind of just... I don't know. I feel like it's tacky. I'm, but I'm also the same guy like in Dragon Age. I turn off blood splatter because I don't want to see it. It's not something that really delights me. Some people like to play violent video games, and I think that's fine, and I don't judge it in terms of, you know, what kind of a person that makes you, but there is kind of a... Mm, I do make a stink face a little bit at that kind of nasty. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not surprised. <laughs> I don't like gore. I don't watch gory <laughs> movies either. I just... It, it queezes me up. That's the sound I imagine you making. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I... I do tend to like violent games. I mean, we played um, Vermintide together, like an incredibly violent game. And it took one playthrough for Jace to be like, oh, no, absolutely. This is not, it's not my thing. Game I don't like the sound of bones crunching. I don't like meaty gut sounds. I just don't. <laughs> In all of Game of Thrones, like there are eight seasons of Game of Thrones, really great show up until the end. The, the thing that just, I can't barely think of the show without thinking of it and getting completely icked is whenever uh, Oberon, is that his name, Martell, got his head squashed by the mountain. God, yeah. that's horrible. I don't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. They're gross. And and for sure, there's, there's I don't know. with a, Okay, so a, a game like Vermintide, to me, there is a, there is a kind of, a, I was starting to say it, there's a kind of a zen to it to the to the repetitive like you know wading through hordes of enemies like there is something fun and entertaining about that i don't mind the gore um i i do think there's a touch of desensitiz desensitization um but the truth is it's graphic uh, or graphical desensitization we talked a little bit before about how i don't think that really carries over into real life um, and I, I still don't. Um, but when you see depictions of of gore, th there certainly is a certain level of like tolerance that that can be built up. And those games can actually be kind of entertaining. I don't know. I, I don't have. A, I don't begrudge a game for that not at all. I don't know. I'm okay with violence as long as I'm on the bridge of a starship and I can blow up 400 souls 248 <laughs> meters off the port bow. Well, yeah, that's my point. Like what, like. In Star Trek, how many like virtual souls have we killed blowing <laughs> no, up starships? Like, like that's incredibly violent. But we didn't it's have to different... hear it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a different experience, totally. Borderlands Three: Love, Guns, and Tentacles is slated to release on March 26th, pending any potential delays. And our producer Sil certainly can't wait for an excuse to actually finish the series. Catch up, dude.
In the last few years, Dungeons & Dragons, as well as other tabletop roleplay games, have been making a huge comeback in mainstream media. We discussed last week how the term mainstream in gaming and nerd culture world has been less and less necessary, and for a game that used to be associated with the pinnacle of basement-dwelling geeks and nerds, it's pretty amazing to see it brought out into the limelight. To talk us through the world of D&D, we have a special guest and leader of Soaking Gaming Community's own venture into tabletop games, Sully. Hello. Welcome, Sully. Yeah, yeah. Yay. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump on in. Uh, what do you guys think has brought games like D&D so much popularity recently? Do you think it's an effect of shows like Critical Role that make people want to play it? Or are these shows more of an after effect to the fact that people already want to? I think it's probably a mix of both. Um, well, not not the shows making the games more popular. I think it's, it's a cross effect of the fact that games like D&D are more widely accepted and there are... Uh, there are better venues with which to reach out to people. You don't have to have a syndicated show on a network in order to get out. You can record something and put it up on YouTube, and you can create something really popular. I think, I think that's been the success of Critical Role and others like it. Two, and I don't think this should be discounted very much, but Stranger Things put a big shining spotlight on D&D and tabletop gaming in a way that I don't I don't think could be understated. Stranger Things was a phenomenon when it released. Everybody on Netflix saw it. If you weren't familiar with D&D, you got familiar because uh, the the nature of season one kind of built off of that that framework of uh, an adventure of of a party and you know everybody had their role um and it, it pushed it into the forefront of just kind of mainstream thought i think because that netflix series was everywhere all over the place and wildly popular and i'm not necessarily saying that D wasn't pre that that's that's not my point but i do think when you have a piece of culture that shines a spotlight on something that maybe is is niche for for nerds like us geeks like us um, then it generates an interest and people want to know what that is and they might do a little Googling or a little wikiing and see, you know, what's that all about? I know for uh, me, it's not necessarily that it's new. It's more people only have more ways to find groups is the bigger thing. Because I know my biggest one growing up was I didn't have anybody to play with. Not necessarily that I couldn't play. It just... If you don't have a group, you don't have a way to get a hold of people, it doesn't work as well. God, I relate to that on a spiritual level. No one in my family would be a, a D&D player, and I so wanted people to be with, but I couldn't. I was a I was a kid in the 80s and, you know, the early 90s and I didn't know anybody who would play. That's Man. part of the reason I started Yasta was I wanted to play again and I had no way of doing it in person anymore. Built-in friends. That's what we're talking <laughs> about here at Soakin, y'all. <laughs> so we talked a little bit earlier about violence in video games and how, you know, there's always the general argument that they rot our brains, etc. That's that's a well-known one. Uh, D&D, on the flip side, when it's not being accused of being a form of Satan worship, 
is actually pretty highly praised because it's one of the best methods of learning not only critical thinking, but creative reasoning and math, as well as collaborative teamwork. Do you guys think games like this are actually beneficial for people to play? I know I helped teach my friend math with it by showing her how to make a character sheet because she was struggling with basic math. I mean, I think I'm in the camp that is a little bit biased uh, because I'm a huge fan of tabletop and D&D. Um, and I've defended, you know, various criticisms of video games for much the same reason. Um, but I, I do think they're beneficial. Um, they, they help instill so many important lessons to the folks who are interested in playing them. Um, from from all those things mentioned, mentioned to just simply, uh, I'll be a little bit stereotypical here, but I think a lot of the times folks are attracted to things like Dungeons and Dragons because they might lack some social skills, they might lack some um, social awareness. Um, they do tend to be, forgive me for saying, but a little on the nerdy side speaking for myself at least um and the truth is they also inspire folks to to delve into social um networks and being a, a sociable person on a level they might not otherwise ever aspire to be or ever even be kind of forcey so they're really important lessons for folks on a bunch of different levels i think it also lets you experiment a lot with uh, how to communicate with people. I know um, I have an autistic brother and it helps him a lot in those regards, allowing him to experiment on those different social things without making anybody too angry. Right. And that's a really, that's a great point because it does allow people who may not have a whole lot of social grace, have a role to play, to have um, guardrails on a social experience and to like you said experiment with different ways of being and not have the pressure of having to be 100 percent yourself because a lot of that insecurity comes with not being secure in who you are or how to get of your skin um, being able to express through a medium is powerful and I, you know one of the things that i often hope uh, my staff in the, in the real world is that creativity it really is what what it means to be human being uh, Aside, it's one of the very few things on the planet that no other no other creature does is is create things. So whether we're talking about music or sculpting or some other form of art or expression, which I do believe that this this kind of tabletop gaming it does it allows you to build and create and to expand upon a world. It really does tap into what it means to be a person what it means to uh, there's nothing i like better than creating there's nothing that that fills me with more happiness than world building or coming up with systems or finding ways to express myself in you know whether it's you know singing or whether it's writing or through guild management a lot of creative work goes in there and i, I think dnd is kind of a a really crystallized boiled down version of just creating something cool around narrative with that in mind you all have kids do you have plans to introduce them to dungeons and dragons as this form of self-expression or have you already no I, I really don't want my daughter to be a satanist so i've i've steered her away <laughs> same 
uh, I myself have actually, my son already has his own two sets of dice and he helps me with the maps and stuff for Yasta all the time and even sometimes tries to help me pick out things to put against them. Uh, so very much introducing him bit slowly in a, you know, constructive way, hopefully. That's awesome. And in fact, um, the the first experience I really had with Dungeons and Dragons, like actually playing it, uh, was through my wife. Uh, we dated in high school and it was the first time like her family played together. And what they shared with me is her parents had actually like really simplified a lot of rules so that she and her brother could play when they were just kids. They really got interested in it, um, you know, through the the very simplified rules we haven't really set anything like that up for our rules neither of us i think are um uh we, we haven't really put forth that kind of effort to do it neither of my girls have really expressed the kind of interest but if they did man i, I think we would um but the whole idea of you know th there are so many other venues of fantasy video games and you know other stuff that they have access to that we just didn't as kids um but if they did man that would be really cool that'd be a lot of fun yeah, my, my daughter was never really interested in that sort of stuff. We did different forms of creative expression. We made videos and stories on, on tape and sang songs and did shows for as long as I could remember. When I was a kid, I didn't play D&D, &D, but I did play Star Trek tabletop with the neighborhood kids. And that was always just rad fun for me. Well, hey, maybe nothing to do in quarantine. No doubt. We played so many board games, especially my wife and daughters. Um, yeah, this is the time to do it. There were ways actually We've actually talked about amongst, amongst our officer to do um, a, a, maybe a campaign, a D&D &D campaign. But we, we've kind of flirted with it. We haven't put anything in, in stone, but I'm very interested in it. I think it'd be fun to do while we're locked down. For sure. And while there's free resources that you can claim on the various websites. Hello. And producers. One of the biggest negative stigmas still associated with D&D is that roleplay is inherently a nerdy thing to do, especially in a fantasy setting. Or all of us are familiar with the various scales of, oh wow, that's acceptable nerdiness and that's just far, depending on where people draw the line. Uh, comparisons between people who play D&D like, on Critical Role and comparisons to people who, like, uh, I think LARPers probably get the worst end of the stick. Uh, how do you guys feel those that would consider roleplay a negative games? We run into them all the time. I mean, as as our peers in open world MMOs, we we find those people or they find us on the reg. And you know, there's the old saying, ignore the troll. We 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 don't feed the trolls and they go about what they want to do. Sometimes they make me laugh. But one of the coolest things that I've experienced in roleplaying online is that you run into people who perhaps start out trolly or perhaps start out just with a, a misconception about what roleplay is and then get into it and then find themselves deeply immersed in in roleplaying. Uh, one of our officers had never roleplayed before she found our guild, uh, saw an ad and thought, hmm, why not? Let's see what this is all about. And now she's, you know, running a, a roleplay guild. <clears throat> it's, we, we, we can label something as nerdy and and that is the perception there's no way outside of that box it just is perceived that way but you know nerd stuff usually ends up being cool in the end if you think about it the the nerds are the guys that came up with the internet the nerds are the guys that came up with microsoft and 
you know the computer codes that give us a lot of fun that they they make bank i i um i don't i wouldn't discount the the nerdy the nerdy endeavors maybe it's just me but i never thought of it as an insult to be called a nerd or a dork or anything i know like in high school and stuff it probably was when it was said to me most of the time but I didn't really think of it that way because I grew up on video games and D&D &D and playing with my parents and such. So it wasn't as bad to me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got beat up being a nerd. It was, it was never good for me. <laughs> I, it, it, but at the same time, like the things that made me a nerd, it was simply because it was the things that I enjoyed. And the truth is, um, I do think <laughs> for for all the similarities that we have with gamers as a whole, there certainly are varying grades uh, between gamers, at least in terms of who's considered the cool kids and, and who are not. That's not new to me. I don't think it's new to any of us. Um, but, uh, you know, you have your your PVPers that are typically the cool kids. And then you have your PVEers, which are, you know, they're more of your midliners. And then you have your role players. And we are, we are the nerds of the gaming community. And that's fine. I'm not unaccustomed to being a nerd. Uh, I've in fact adopted it as part of my identity. And that's fine. I've learned that what I find to be entertaining is the, uh, you know, more creative stuff, the, the geekier stuff. And uh, I, it's helped me uh, make peace with it because those tend to be the folks that become your Bill Gates. <laughs> and yeah. I'm okay with that too. All right. Now we're going to shift gears here and we're going to talk a little more specific about Sokin's own D&D &D group, Yasta. Yasta. First of all, I like the name Yasta. Did you come up with that? Uh, no, still came up that. that it's a cool I, I, I suck at naming anything. He names everything for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good name. Uh, let's give Sil a two enthusiastic thumbs up. Wink, wink. Um, Yasta D&D plays entirely online via a website called Roll20. For those who have played D&D um, in person, how is Roll20 different um, than why you guys do it totally digitally? Uh, there, there's a certain thing about getting to play in person that you just can't quite from online where like you, you can make the facial expressions and everything to the, to, to the people you're, you're next to doing a little bit of LARP as you go kind of thing. Um, but when you're playing online, you can get more people, people are more comfortable in where they're sitting because they're not face to face with you and there's also just a lot of things you can do on uh, Roll20 specifically that you can't do on a tabletop without hours and hours of work uh, just putting stuff together uh, that I can do in a few minutes online like uh, special effects and such like that to kind of bring the world to life even more so it really depends on your prints between the two but personally both are completely different uh environments and it's worth doing both if you can so speaking of bringing the world to life 
Um, Yasa D&D is entirely homebrewed game. So y'all came up with your own world to bring to life uh, and, and the lore around it. Um, that is, frankly, my favorite way of gaming and, and creating games. What is one of your favorite stories that you guys created for this world? Uh, that's a hard one because we've done a, a lot of stuff in the last few years, but I'd say one of my favorites, I didn't even realize it as we were making it. Uh, we had created this whole history where the guild masters had fought off this evil god and gotten put him at bay for a little bit. Um, and in the process of that, one of uh, my characters had technically died and then was brought back by uh, the Raven Queen, the goddess of death. And it was never explicitly said. It was something more implied that even me who wrote most of that situation didn't even really realize it had happened until some of the extra details we had brought in later. Like the world started to build itself without us needing to write anything expli uh, explicitly. That sounds like heresy to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. What's you guys' process for writing an original campaign? Um, process is... I, I'm not entirely sure. I know most of it was we came up with a map first and sectioned that off into different areas to be explored later on, uh, listed races in each area, and then just kind of let it build itself. A lot of uh, collaborative story writing between the different DMs we had to start and uh, pulling it together, uh, letting each person tell their own story in one area while we tried to somehow make it all form into one uh, in an interesting way to overlap. Uh, for an individual game, it's usually uh, make a map and come up with it on the spot because players will ruin any planning you have <laughs> yes that's uh pretty common there's a, a phrase in the army that no plan survives contact with the enemy uh, yeah. and it works for uh, i think any kind of rp scenario where no plan survives contact with the players we do minimal planning just enough to have something for them to work with past that you really have to leave it open to interpretation and improvisation for sure um so with your experience here in Soken D and I've got to ask, what was it that got you into tabletop gaming in the first place? So uh, I was actually taught by my parents to play D and D. Uh, I remember they were playing the 3.0 version when I was a kid. Uh, I wasn't allowed to play with them, but I could uh, listen in and such. And me and my cousin and my brothers made up our own little D version to play because we just really wanted to while my parents were all trapped in the room with their friends playing and we pulled out dice paper and some coins and made up a story for a short thing and it just kind of evolved from there for me uh, but I grew up playing D&D &D with my family and games while you're reflecting upon those days and the recent ones do you have 
any any great memories any favorite times favorite sessions from D&D that are you know it can be something in your in your long time history or, or something more recently and so I would say one of my favorite games I was DMing for my two brothers they uh, one was playing a rogue one was playing a barian and my brother was trying to uh, the rogue was trying to unlock a door and the other one got bored, so he went over and ripped the door off. And, of course, my other brother threw a fit about it and was like, I could have gotten it there, whatever. So in character, the barbarian picks the door up and puts it back and says, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my... Uh, it's just one that stuck with me forever. It was one of my favorites. That's one of my favorite aspects of D&D, &D, just tabletop gaming and generals the freeform nature of it it keeps everyone on their toes especially the dm how do you adapt to this it's it's really fun um so you talked about having uh like getting some dice as a kid um playing with your siblings how many dice do you now own and do you have a favorite set I own a lot. I don't have a specific number for you. I've got this mini chest that my dad bought me uh, and kind of decorated for me that uh, I just has all my dice in there and they look like jewels. My son likes to go and look at play with them. And as for favorite set, I'm weird with my dice. I have different dice for different types of characters, so I don't necessarily have a favorite. Like, I've got some smoky dice for when I'm playing a rogue, or I've got uh, some ice crystal looking ones for uh, any sorcerers I play. Uh, I even have a set of tiny dice uh, to be able to travel with. Do you have like a like a lucky set, or have you ever have you ever punished bad dice in front of others? Just <laughs> example oh swapped out a set because they keep rolling bad totally yeah. even though that stigma is totally not true i still follow it if i keep rolling ones i will swap out my d20 <laughs> in these trying times where we can't meet up in person to play games virtual gaming becomes incredibly useful if you're interested in being a part of an online DD experience head on over to soakinggaming.org forward slash yasta dnd that's Y-A-S-T-A-H-D-N-D. -D. All right, here we are at the end of our show, and that means that it's that time again. It's tea time. So here's a question for you guys. We talk a lot about movies, but not a lot about how we go and see them. What's your specific movie-going ritual? Do you guys like to do dinner at a show with the family? Is it more of a date night thing? Do you load up on theater popcorn or sneak in any kind of candy? Leo, do you do you put cheese whiz on your popcorn or is that just a Thanksgiving thing? It was ranch in mashed potatoes. <laughs> I'm sorry, do you put ranch on your popcorn when you go to the movies? That probably wouldn't be bad. That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah. I will say I have a new a new movie theater tradition. So there's the old school movie theater tradition. I, I often go with the husband and very often also go with like a group of friends. So it's more of a friend night for, for me. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are into the CU films and that's what we go with them to see. I have other friends that are kind of like my just hangout friends uh, or work friends that, you know, we'll go see just another movie when we do movies. 
but in terms of the snick snacks um i'm always gonna get a popcorn and i'm usually gonna get reese's pieces um i usually don't get those any other time than when i'm at the movie theater and then of course a large coke zero but my new tradition go-to because my theater just got liquor is a jack and coke icy and that is off the chain what was that star wars one yeah yeah that's whenever i went that's the first time i had it that was the jack and coke icy and it's amazing uh amazing it's like icy like the the brand icy like that that real light snow coney thing not like a heavy snow cone but airy thing and it's jack and coke (laughs) it's so freaking good they're like ten dollars a pop and i'll usually have two or three during the movie so i found um i don't have friends in real life so it's really just the family um and i'm uh i'm a sucker for popcorn there is just something about popcorn at the movies whether it's really effective advertising or there really is something to it but uh i just love to get some buttery popcorn and then to even get the terrible awful super bad for you liquid faux butter from the theater and add that on top of it oh there's nothing better is it faux butter or is it clarified i don't know it's liquid gold yeah it's delicious whatever it is i mean i don't care it's not going to yeah. change my habits but i'm just curious whatever it is i'm drowning my popcorn in yeah, yeah. <laughs> the downside is i always get the the popcorn that's in like a tall bag and so yeah. i have to drench the top and i have to shake it to try and get as much of that stuff to coat as much of the popcorn as possible oh oh I'd... if you if you uh try and get it like down the sides that way it'll like stick to the outside of the bag and then that'll help with saturating yeah but i have I don't a get thing to... about getting stuff on my hands i, I don't I get don't to like... butter it do you get to butter your own <gasps> like they... yeah at some what places no? yeah they have yeah. it in the lobby at our theater yeah. you can't They're... do that the pe- the the youth behind the counter do it for me yeah well, it's probably it, because we... they're giving you alcohol probably well ours has alcohol too but there's like little stations that you can go to and they have um like little things like uh little cups of jalapenos if you got like nachos or something and then there's like the liquid butter dispensers oh it's so good um but in addition to that so that used to be my go-to was the the buttered popcorn that was is oh to die for and uh my youngest is i'm convinced she's addicted to coca-cola ices um she has a problem every time we go anywhere that has an icy machine she must have a coca-cola icy and i decided i was gonna try one because i was like what is my girl addicted to and lo and behold now i'm addicted to them <laughs> when, no, they're bad when we go to the movies they're good uh, try a so, jack and coke one dog <laughs> yeah. i i may see if my theater when they reopen if, if they can do that but as it stands it is it's a popcorn for all of us with that liquid gold throughout and then giant coke ices for the entire family ah uh, so good makes me want to go see a movie right now yeah, ours has mostly been, uh, we'll get the big popcorn and the, the sodas, but me and my husband have to get different sodas because we drink different things. And uh, we always get those pretzel bites at ours. They've got these really good, perfectly salted pretzel bites, and they give you like 
the biggest amount of cheese they possibly can to where it's like Ooh. overflowing in the, the yeah. little plastic thing. Uh, and I love it. We can't actually take the kid to the movies very often. So most of the time it's whenever the grandparents can take him, we go to the movies on our way home. Oh, I love a good soft pretzel. Oh, man. If it can be done well. There, there's a place yeah. called Auntie Anne's yeah um, yes. around here oh we get those all so the time anytime we're at all yes killer oh. it doesn't help my thighs but it's delicious yeah you guys are talking about the coke ices but those uh the blue ones the uh, raspberry maybe because i drink cherry uh well, blue raspberry yes no the ones that are straight sugar that's where it's at yeah my husband yeah, loves anything good. blue. He, he'll always order the blue drink or the blue soda. I just, I'm not into it. What, what flavor do you want? Blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't care what it actually is. I know the color. That one. Um, yeah, my family actually, and, well, whether it's family or friends, we used to do dinner before a movie. So, like, you know, you wouldn't eat too much popcorn or whatever. But now we've actually started, we'll go out to eat after the movie because then we can sit and talk about the movie after we've seen it and, like, further experience the, oh, the plot yeah. and all that stuff together a nice debrief so, around the dinner table yeah um another thing that i've really liked is there's been an increase in like uh uh theaters that also serve food so we used to have around here the alamo draft house and it was known for like like one of the first theaters that just served alcohol and then they branched out into actually serving meals. But it was like, you know, chili cheese fries and greasy burgers. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, we actually got a, a, an upgrade to that. It's like movie house and eatery where they like they had recliners and they would serve like margaritas and like actual nice dinners and stuff while you're watching a movie. And that's been how my wife and I will spoil ourselves on a on a date night. If we got somebody to watch the girls, oh, that's fantastic. I love the Alamo Draft House. They have peanut butter banana cookies that are so good. Well, if you guys would like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to SoakinGaming.com slash SoakinMedia and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Soakin Podcast. For more Sokin Media, you can visit us at SokinGaming.com slash Media, follow our Twitter at SokinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sokin Gaming Community. And look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I've been Jace. I was an M, and will remain Leo. I'm Sully. And we'll see you all next week. Stay classy, Sokin. Thank you for listening to the Sokin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace? <laughs>